Welcome to The Porch. You're on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics. Red letter basics. Book of Acts basics. And we do that by taking a look at the Word of God. We don't filter it down. We don't reshape it to fit our opinion. We take it just as it was written, just as the Lord intended. And I believe in doing so, we are finding, or in the process of finding, even after all this time, the power that the Book of Acts Church had. I know many of you write me and tell me that you want that. You hear the stories about what I do in ministry and with SRT, and you are hungry for that. And that's why we're here, because the fire of Pentecost is still falling. It has never stopped. The church age is still in effect. The Porch is an outreach. Solomon's Porch, Inc. on solomonsporch.org is that website. But if you want to contact us, go to firefalltalkradio.com. And while you're there, go to the bottom of that page, that main page, and decide to support us if you're not already doing it. If you are, thank you very much. But maybe you want to make a monthly commitment to help us out. Subscribe to us on the Spreaker app. That way you get updates and broadcasts. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. And watch out for new shows, working on some stuff, pre-recording some things, and you'll know if you are subscribed when they get posted. We are two months away from our meeting in Orlando. Can you believe that? Just two months away, eight weeks, actually slightly less than eight weeks. Saturday, July 27th, the Rosen Inn, Point Orlando, 9000 International Drive, 8 hundred nine 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 eight five eight five tell them you're coming to the C conference. If you want to book a room use six eight one three six to do so you'll get a, a rate, an unbelievable rate of seventy nine dollars plus tax for a hotel on International Drive near the parks, near a lot of different restaurants and tourist attractions. If you wait until after July fifth, that rate will not be available and the rate will double or even triple. We'd like to see you there. We believe this is going to be important. We believe that this is going to shape us for the days ahead. A lot of things going on in the Spirit. A lot of things going on that are applying to what I'm working on teaching on. So you're going to want to be there. If you need an excuse to come to Orlando, well, there it is. Come spend Saturday, July 27th with me. And if you're going to do that, let us know you're coming. Go to firefallmediagroup.com, write us. Or go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Firefall Media Group. We're praying that you come, praying that you tell some people, invite some people, and let's get ready. Praise reports and prayer requests. We do not enter the presence of the Lord without praising Him first. So we praise Him. I praise Him for my home, my wife, my family, sons, daughter-in-laws, our grandson. What a blessing. For our furry kids, some of you call them pets, and everything that he has given us. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of us being thankful. I thank him for my salvation. Without that, I'm not here. I'm someplace else, and you're listening to dead air. But since I am here, I'm going to praise him. I praise him for his Psalm 91 covering over each and every one of us. It is available to you if you apply it. It's not a blanket thing that he just throws on everybody. You have to apply the promises of God to your life. I praise him for this ministry that he lets me work. It's his for the dreams and the visions and the constant sharing of revelation knowledge. Yesterday was one of those days. I praise him for the healing virtues that are still available to each and every one of us. I just praise him for being in a country where we can do this. Yeah, there's problems. It's crazy. And it's going to get crazier in the days ahead as I believe we get closer to the Lord's coming. But we're in the land of the red, white, and blue. We're in a land that allows me to broadcast these things on the air. There's nobody getting ready to kick down my door, at least that I know of. And we're going to do it. We're going to continue to praise him for his favor for our, the cross and everything that he's done. Do you do that first thing every day? Do you start out by praising him and thanking him and acknowledging him? Also praise him that he has protected us from the enemy and given us 
the authority over the enemy. Now we go to prayer. You go from praise to prayer. You enter his courts with praise and thanksgiving. Then petition comes. Well, Lord, we pray right now for the Middle East, for Israel, for the peace of Jerusalem. A lot of shaking, a lot of things going on there with Iran. I may be wrong, but I believe something's getting ready to kick off over there, which will create a ripple effect worldwide. So we must be prayerful about that. I pray for the fatherless and the widows, the innocents, both in and out of the womb, both human and animal, and the victims of injustice. There's so much injustice in the land, but of course there would be. The God of this world, Hasatan, Satan, is an entity of injustice. Pray for our brothers and sisters around the world that are being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith. I think of them often. I pray for them throughout the day. I read stories on on my phone or on the Internet, and I'll, I'll just lay my hand on the screen, and I'll begin to pray for them. Persecution everywhere, anti-Semitism on the rise. We are looking at the signs of the times, and for the most part, the church is ignoring them. I've begun to pray for the victims of sex trafficking in the, in the dark, evil world that that goes on in. I pray for divine wholeness, health, and healing in all of us. When I say get back to our divine design, what I'm saying is getting back to the way he designed us to be all the way down to our DNA. This world has shaped us. The food has shaped us. The toxins and everything in the air have shaped us. Our ancestry has shaped us. Well, I've about had enough of that. I am ready to walk in his healing, and in his design for me so that I can do everything he's called me to do in these times, to run and not grow weary, to walk and not faint, to rise up with wings as eagles. I just pray that the remnant, the people I'm speaking to, I don't believe that the church at large wants to hear what I have to say and I've stopped trying to get them to listen. I'm speaking to the remnant. I'm speaking to those that have been called out and set apart for this time. And I'm praying that they would wake up, rise up, answer the call to action. If you've been blessed, be a blessing. If you can support what we do here, do so. If you can support SRT, do so. If you can support Firefall, do so. We've got a battle plan. We have a mission, and it's going to take provision. Manna doesn't fall from heaven anymore. He's expecting us to do it and to, for those that he has poured his blessings into to not hoard them but to pour them out praying to prosper in accordance with his word for his word. I just pray that the windows, the blessings, flow. Continue to pray for my wife, Deb, here in Orlando for healing and restoration. I'm also going to begin to offer an unspoken prayer request for a legal matter. Sherry in Arizona, she is extended family. She is our sister-in-law's sister, John's sister-in-law, John Spain. Uh, Sherry fell, broke her right arm and her right hip, and though it didn't need surgery, she'd got a rough road ahead. So keep Sherry in Arizona in your prayers. Uh, Continue to pray for Sally's wife. She's getting better from the knee replacement surgery, but she still needs healing and relief from the pain. Stacy in Texas offering up an unspoken prayer request for her and her family. And Kim in Fort Mitchell says she's doing good. Hope's all is well. Summer is here. That's what I like about you, Kim. You have your seasons down. You know that summer is here. I'm just messing with you. Anyway, she says it's not easy keeping three kids occupied all day. So she praises him for her salvation, for keeping her sober, for her family, for his protection and his love, for this ministry, for her friend Stacy. She says, I praise him for air conditioners and everything he provides for us. Um said, Father, my friend Stacy needs you. She needs to see how big you are. said, please pray for me, for our children and spouses, deliver our children and ourselves when we fail. Father, forgive me for being unkind and unforgiving lately. Help me to overcome this. You know, Kim, you always do that. You always touch on something in your prayer that applies to the Bible study. So take confidence in the fact that the Holy Spirit's in you and speaks through you. Says, Father, I have an unspoken prayer request my son Maurice. Deliver him, Father. Provide and protect our families. Bless us and favor us in Jesus' name.
Well, Lord, you know all these things before I bring them up to you, but you also ask us to bring them to you, to speak them out with intention and from the heart. So we just come to you right now. We come to you as Lord of all. We come to our Abba Father, Abba Father, as the God of all creation. We thank you. We thank you for your love, the Father's love, the love of a Father. We thank you for caring so much about us that you asked Yeshua, your Son, your only begotten Son, to die in our place, to pay with his blood for our blood debt. We will never forget what you've done, Lord. We will never forget the cross. But we are so thankful, so, so thankful that the tomb is empty and that you have risen from the dead and that you have risen to sit at the right hand of the Father in fullness and in power, above all principality and power. We thank you for making a public spectacle of them. We thank you for giving us the authority of your name and then sending your Holy Spirit to be in us and to walk with us and to help us and to teach us. We ask for that now. We ask for that as we hear this word. We ask for that as we get ready for the sea conference that day in Orlando, Lord, we thank you that you're bringing people, people that I don't even know, that have seen maybe the Facebook ad or somebody has sent them the flyer. The people that are going to walk in there are coming in to be empowered, to have oil thrown on their fire. We want to burn for you. We want to shine bright in the darkness. We want to see the captives set free. We want to see the prison doors flung open. And we want to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for that. So bless this time. Bless the technology. We clear our minds and take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Messiah and cast down every vain imagination, every distraction, everything that would exalt itself above the knowledge of Elion God Most High and against his word, both living and written. Now touch us, Holy Spirit. Reach us. Change us. I pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. These lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So the enemy knows what we've been talking about. He knows what we've been teaching on. In case you don't understand this, Though he's not omnipotent, though he's not omnipresent, he's not all-knowing, he's not all-powerful, he can't be everywhere at once, and that's why he has a network, what I call in the supernatural battle, a hive mind. And they communicate with one another, and they've taken advantage of our technology. Possibly they gave to us, I don't know, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, everything that encircles the globe. Much of it's based on Nikolai Tesla's inventions, and even he admitted he got some of them in dreams and in an altered state from what he considered the, the ascended masters from another plane. Be that as it may, the enemy is always conscious of what we're doing. He knows that the fullness of the Holy Spirit, that what we've been talking about, what we desire is a danger to him. He knows that the manifestation of the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit is a threat to his kingdom. He'd rather have a, the church be a dead entity with dead body parts, a zombie church. He doesn't want the church to be filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want them to have the love of God. He doesn't want them to do what the book of Acts church did. But as I've always said, I don't care what he wants. You see, the Holy Spirit brings life. The enemy wants death. The Holy Spirit brings light, illumination. The enemy wants darkness. That's where they dwell. 
And the Holy Spirit brings love. And the enemy wants hatred. See, that's the war the spirit we are in. We are in a fight, a blood fight, but we're in a love fight. We're in a fight for love, love for him, for the Holy Spirit, for God, the Father, for the Son, for one another, for the lost and the dying. You can't do anything that I've been sharing on the porch for all these years If you don't love him with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and everything that's in you, if you don't love your neighbor as yourself, if you don't love your brother and sister in the Lord, even when they're unlovable, and if you don't love the lost and dying, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? 1 John three sixteen and 17. In all the years I've been saved, over 30 years now, can I tell you the amount of lack of love I've seen? The amount of times that people just did not care even if they had abundant resources, finances, they just did not care. We, during this period of time especially, which began on the day of Pentecost, we need to walk in this, and we need to walk in what I call kingdom of God love. See, the gifts of the Spirit Spirit bring the fruit of the Spirit, and the one thing that bridges the gifts and the fruit is love. Love is unselfish, it's loyal, it's a benevolent concern for the well-being of another and the desire to do something about it. Even under the law, we were called to do this, Leviticus 19, 33 and 34, and if a stranger dwells with you in the land, you shall not mistreat him. The stranger who dwells among you shall be to you as one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. If you look at that word for love, and I'm going to start giving you the the strong, the Hebrew and the Greek strong numbers in case you want to look them up. If you look up Hebrew strong number 157, the Hebrew word Aheb means love. It means to love. It's the equivalent of the English sense of a strong emotional attachment to and a desire to either possess or be in the presence of that object, of that person. So it's an active word, to love. It's the love between parents and their children. It's, it makes its first appearance in the Bible in Genesis 22 two. When God tells Abraham, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And if you don't know this, I pointed it out before and maybe you've heard it. Isaac was not a little boy, as sometimes portrayed in the images or in the books or in some films. He was about 18 years old. He had been with Abraham for a while. They had a very close relationship. So God was asking him to sacrifice the one whom he loved, a strong emotional attachment. And Abraham took him to do so. But we know the angel held his hand. If you know the Shema, which is Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Love. You know, that's what he wanted. He wanted a relationship with Adam. That's all he wanted from Adam. He just gave him a couple of guidelines, and he and Eve couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. I know that Satan, the covering cherub using the voice of the serpent 
manipulated them. I have no doubt about that. He manipulated a third of the angels to give up on eternity. But still, all they had to do was say no. But they bit the forbidden fruit anyway. But see, this is what, from the law to the new covenant, from Genesis to Revelations, it's a love story. Paul takes us back to the fulfillment of the law being love in Romans 13.10. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. I've met so many people. I know I say this all the time, so forgive me. I meet so many people in the Messianic community who supposedly came out of the law or who have recognized that Jesus, Yeshua, is Jewish and that the elements of the Old Testament, of the covenant before, though the law is not in effect, the festivals are and the admonitions are and all that goes with it. I've met so many people in the Messianic community that have no love many of which are not spirit-filled, which would explain why they have no love. But they don't, they don't see that. You go to Mark 12, starting verse 28. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceived that he had answered them well, and asked him, meaning Yeshua, which is the first commandment of all? And Yeshua answered him and said, The first of all the commandments is... Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Of course, he's quoting Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is you shall love your neighbor as yourself, which he quotes Leviticus nineteen fourteen. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe says to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, And there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now when Yeshua saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. You see, I believe the kingdom of God, when he says the kingdom of God is here, It means God's love is here, and it's here inside of us through the infilling presence of the Holy Spirit. You won't have it without the Holy Spirit, which is why I meet people that when I look at them, listen to them, see their actions, and see how they treat one another, how they possibly treat me or others in the body, and I see no love, I realize that the Holy Spirit must not be present. Because if the Spirit is present, love is present. Matthew five forty, starting verse 43, You have heard that it was said, Red Letter Basics, this is the Lord. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect." He's giving us a radical command to even love our enemies. Really, Lord, you want me to love my enemies too? And to pray for those who persecute and despise you and mistreat you. If we only love the people who love us, then we're no better than the world and we're not his disciples. His command is to love and to be complete Because God is love. That's when he says, you shall be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. His love involves perfection. His perfection involves his love. Therefore, if we love the way the Lord is saying, 
and we love like God the Father, then we are on the way to perfection, are we not? You know, I've taught on this before, and and these are pretty much all new notes. I, I don't like to cut and paste and recycle old lessons. I've seen it done. It always bothered me. I like it to be fresh. I like it to be freshly stirred up by the Spirit. So even though I've taught this before in various ways, it still speaks differently every time to me. Because at each time in between I've gone through experiences, I've had moments where it's been very difficult to love people. And my initial reaction may be of disappointment, of rejection, maybe even anger, but over the period of time as the Spirit begins to deal with that and melt that away, I have no choice but to forgive. I have no choice but to reconcile and to see them through God's eyes. Go with me to Romans 5. I'm going to start with verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, our Lord Jesus the Messiah, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, here come the tough words, not only that, we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now, hope, does not disappoint, because the love of God, which has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who was given to us, for when we were still without strength in due time, Messiah died for the ungodly, for scarcely a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Messiah died for us. The love of God, this is verse 5, if you're going to underline something or highlight it, the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. If God the Father, the creator of the universe, loved us, when we were helpless, ungodly enemies of his, how much more will he love us now that we are reconciled back into relationship with him as his children? By his blood, through the death of his son, we have been justified. We have been declared righteous. We have been reconciled, meaning we are no longer alienated. We are no longer separated. He is no longer blocked from us. That visual of the temple veil of one thread as thick as a man, the length of a man's hand, torn in two from top to bottom. I've always seen that as God the Father ripping it in half so that he could get out to be with his children. Sin had kept him apart. Sin had kept him away since the day of Adam's betrayal. And finally, finally, the veil was torn. There was, there was no longer a wall of separation. We have peace. Abiding, loving peace. The power of sin is real. We don't want to hear that message. We don't want to hear about sin. We don't want to understand that there is a punishment for sin, that God's wrath is related to man's sin, but that through life in Yeshua, through life in Jesus of Nazareth, we are not subject to that wrath. John 3.16, now I've always, when I was younger, seen it quoted and see people quoted and seen it on the on the at the baseball games and all I've seen the signs and I'm not sure people really understand what they're saying. For God so loved the world, he had such a great affection for he so desired to be with them 
that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That was the only requirement. Hey, I'll pay the debt. I'll shed the blood. I'll have my son do it for you. All you have to do is believe in him. The Father's love and Messiah's death brought us justification. And as a result of that, we can also expect, count on, salvation from his wrath. But to experience that for a believer, to experience that we must cooperate with the process of justification. You see, justification brings salvation. This is not a magic wand. This is not somebody sprinkling water over a congregation. You must confess with your mouth. You must believe with your heart, in your heart. The two computers in the body, the mind and the heart, must come into agreement with one another and set off a supernatural reaction in the spirit. And I also believe in our DNA to where we become born again. We become a new creation, that which was before, that Richard who was before that Sunday morning on October 9th, 1988, who knelt at that altar, the same one who had walked out on his wife and his family, who had slept in a bed full of crystals, who had communed with demons, who had walked in demonic power. On that day, I cooperated with the process of justification and reconciliation by acknowledging that I needed a Savior. And in that moment, all the sins, everything that I had done, the awful things, the sinful choices, the demonic choices, were thrown into the sea of forgetfulness and washed away by the blood So that when I stand before the white throne of judgment, they're no longer in my book. Romans 5.11, and not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, through whom we have now received reconciliation. I'm... I'm hoping that everybody listening is a believer, but I also hope that you play this with others and other people just stumble upon it. Have you received reconciliation? Do you personally feel like you have been reconciled to God, that when you say, Abba, Father, something jumps in your heart? Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus the Messiah, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Messiah reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed us to the word of reconciliation. That's what Paul told the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 and 19. We have a ministry of reconciliation. We have been given a word of reconciliation. What is our primary commission. Go make disciples. Lead people to the Lord. The phrase that I've used almost since I got saved is to get people saved, healed, and delivered. That's it. That's the plan. That's the program. Get them saved. Get them healed. Get them delivered. Get their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Get them reconciled to the Heavenly Father. Let them experience this love that I'm talking about. That Greek word for reconciliation, katalage, it means change or an exchange. It's like in the context of a relationship between people that implies a change in attitude on the part of both individuals. They go from hating one another to being friends. See, that's what happened with God and us. See, not only did we change our attitude towards him, He changed his attitude towards us. But this need, this need for change in the sinful ways of human beings, it is so obvious. But many will tell you that there's no change on the part of God. 
He's done it all already. He doesn't have to do anything. He has to change his perspective of you. And without the blood, without the sacrifice, without the covering of sin, without Yeshua being the scapegoat, he can only see us one way. He is a holy God. He is a just God. But because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our heart, not only does he fill us with his love, but he makes us a fountain of that love. He fills it. We pour it out. So I have a question. I know I ask a lot of questions. You're not here to answer that. But if you're with me on that Saturday in Orlando, you'll be able to interact and answer these questions. If he fills our heart with this love and we pour it out, why are so many people thirsty for it? Why are so many people parched for the love of God that I'm talking about? Interesting question. This love makes fellowship with each other as family possible. But it also guarantees that the gifts we talked about, the gifts of the Spirit, are used unselfishly and they are used lovingly. Love is the greatest gift given to us by a God of love. See, if you go back to 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and kind not jealous or boastful, not arrogant or rude. Love is not selfish, irritable, or resentful. Love does not rejoice at wrong, but in the right. Love bears, love believes, love hopes, and love endures all things. Is that easy? No. No, it's not. It's not in our fleshly nature to be that way, and we know that the spirit and the flesh are always in this MMA fighting match, and whichever one you feed more is the stronger. But when the Holy Spirit's in control, that love is there. You look what it said in John 3.16, For God so loved. Everything after that is inspired by what? The kingdom of God love I'm talking about. This is a relationship of the Father's love to the work of the Messiah and also to the life of those that believe in him. That's the theme of the Gospel of John. You know, if, you, if you're witnessing to somebody and you want them to read the Bible and they're willing to read the Bible for the first time, don't tell them to start in Genesis. Tell them to start with the Gospel of John. If they can get that, if they can understand the love of God, then everything else will come with it. And then you look at the second half of the Gospel of John. It emphasizes this dimension of love amongst those who believe. Look at John 13. Actually, you know what I'm going to do? Let me read all of these red-letter statements as one statement, and then I'll tell you where they came from. And you can go back and look them up and highlight them, which is what I hope you're doing. I hope you're downloading. I hope you're opening your Bibles and taking notes. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If you love me, keep my commandments. He who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And the Father loved me, I have also, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide, take permanent residence in my love. And this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. These things I command you, that you love one another. John thirteen thirty four through thirty five, John fourteen fifteen, John fourteen twenty one, John fourteen twenty three and twenty four, John fifteen nine, fifteen twelve and fifteen seventeen. What do you think the message here is? Love. And what is commandment commanded to us is not an emotion. 
It's the discipled will. It's the choice in our heart to seek the welfare of others above our own. And Yeshua speaks with the authority of the Father. If he if he's speaking, you're hearing the Father's voice. Because he and the Father are one. And he's the only one who has the authority to make such demands. The incarnate word, the living word and the written word, the rhema and the logos. And because of that, he can give us the conditions for discipleship. And this relationship to love your neighbor as yourself, Leviticus 19.18. But Yeshua added a clause. If this were a contract, he added a secondary clause to to love your neighbor as yourself as I have loved you. Again, is this easy? No. I'm going to be honest with you. No, it's not. There are just some people that are unlovable. Just like I was unlovable. But through the infilling of the Holy Spirit, it can happen. Right now, do you do, are there people in your life that you just don't love? That you're having trouble loving? Well, then I pray right now the Lord would open your eyes and open your heart to see them in their bondage. See them in their sin. See them in their pain. See them in all the things that makes them the way they are. It doesn't mean you have to make excuses for it. doesn't mean you have to overlook it. But if you see them with his eyes, you'll see them with love. You'll pray for them. You'll pray for their salvation. You'll desire them to know that love. See, I believe the early church, the book of Acts church, the one that I've tried to base the porch on, Solomon's porch, was so productive because they got it. They they got it almost from day one, actually from day one. They took care of one another. They shared with one another. They were productive because that fuel that love, that kingdom of God love was present from the inception of the church. But we, we need to look at one other aspect of this as we get towards the end here. If we go to Matthew 25, we find out that there's still judgment involved for those that don't love that don't love God, don't love the the Lord. There's a false teaching out there that there is no judgment, there is no hell, there is no wrath. It is incredibly false, and there's only one person it benefits. That's Hasatan, Satan, the adversary. Matthew 25, starting verse 31, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, this is the second coming, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, put the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you as a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or, or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king shall answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And then he will say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. 
I was a stranger, and you did not take me in, naked, and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And then they will also say to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick and in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Remember, this book is a book to believers. This is not a book to the world. This is a book to Jews and Gentiles, us that are supposed to know better. And there are going to be some, Matthew 7, 21 through 20, there are going to be many that have come and say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we healed in your name, we cast out demons in your name. And he's going to look at them and say, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. Where are they departing to? They're departing to a lake of fire prepared for Hasatan, for Satan and all the fallen angels. This account in Matthew 25 not only tells us what will happen at the end, it's a narrative that explains the here and now. Godly, Holy Spirit love happens because we've been loved. And in being loved, we're able to pour it out of that fountain of our heart, which has an eternal purpose for others to experience it. People in bondage are dealing with rejection. If they're taking drugs or they're drinking or they're looking at pornography or whatever their bondage or sin of choice is, The sin is a manifestation. It's not the problem. It is a problem, but not the problem. The bondage is a manifestation of a deeper, deeper root that almost always traces to some form of rejection. Look what he says. And he's talking to people that stand before him, that he is separated to the right and to the left, the sheep and the goats. The sheep are his, of course. Come. On his right hand, he says, Come, you blessed of my fathers. We know it's Yeshua speaking. That's who the king is. King of kings, Lord of lords. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You see, they gave people food. They gave people drink. They took people in. They gave them clothing. They visited them. They went into the prisons. I'm not saying you have to do all these things, but you should be doing something. The gap between profession and practice is what endangers us and opens us up to the enemy. The more selfish and inward-looking we become, the more our heart grows cold, the more the enemy has access to us. So wouldn't it make sense that's exactly what the enemy would attack? Look at what the signs of the times are in Matthew 24, which preceded this declaration. Take heed, no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. Right there, that's false teachers who are going to acknowledge him as Messiah, but that's about as far as it'll go, because they are false teachers. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. So first you have the false teaching. Then you have wars, rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. All these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. That's both the natural and the supernatural kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. And these are the beginning of the sorrows. Then they'll deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Here we go, verse 12. And because lawlessness will abound, lawlessness is sin, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom, will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So the final phase 
of the sign of the time is lawlessness, no love for God or the things of God, and no love for one another. But yet, you know what we do find? We find the exact thing that First John chapter 2 told us not to do. Do not love the world or the things in the world. For anyone loves the world, the love of God is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world, and the world is passing away in the love of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Little children, it is the last hour, and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know this is the last hour. The reason we've been told not to love the world system or the things in the world because if you do that, the love of God and the love of people, it's not compatible. The two cannot coexist. You hate one and love the other, or you love one and hate the other. The world system, the things of this world, the God of this world, Hasatan, and everything he inspires is one of rampant, unrestrained sin and rebellion against God and his laws. 1 John 3, 4 tells us, Sin is lawlessness. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. So anytime you see the word lawlessness, it doesn't mean human laws. It means sin. It means the laws of God. Those were ten commandments, not ten suggestions. They did not change. They're still in effect. I cannot believe, say, well, we're not under the law, therefore the commandments don't apply. Yes, it is a perpetual, perpetual commandment. And if you can do the ten commandments, the rest of your life will function. Come on. Let's stop this. Let's just stop the foolishness. Let's just call it what it is. The man of sin, the man of lawlessness, this end-time rebellion is Hasatan and his kingdom of darkness and the fallen angels and their demonic offspring. They are the workers of the man of lawlessness, the one who wants to rule, the one who wants to sit on his own throne. He can't sit at the right hand of God where Yeshua sits. So he's going to make his own. That's why he wants the Temple Mount. That's why he wants Jerusalem. That's why he thinks he's going to rule the world and the angels coming out of the pit are going to worship him. Not going to happen. See, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. You know we're in the falling away right now. There's a church in Atlanta, a Christian, supposedly Christian, I'm doing the finger thing, Christian church that has put a psychic medium on staff, and they have found a way to justify it as if she hears from God. Lord, give me that motorhome. Larry and I are rolling in there. We're going to have a nice conversation. We're going to open our Bibles and sit down with her. Maybe lead her to the Lord. Maybe deliver her of those demons. But that's, that's a sign of the falling away. The acceptance of sin and debauchery falling away. The changing of the word or saying, well, you know what? That was then. This is now. Don't tell me that my, my heavenly father, the God of all creation, wasn't smart enough to write a book that transcended time. Eh, sorry, thank you for playing. Pick up your parting gifts on the way out. Hopefully it's a Bible. The man of sin, the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is God or that is worship so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he's God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time? For the mystery of lawlessness is that already at work. Only he, capital H, who now restrains him will do so until he is taken out of the way. That he is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in the church. And then the lawless one will be revealed. Whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. And the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Hasatan, Satan the adversary, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish, because they did not receive what? The love of the truth that they might be saved. Isn't it amazing? 
power, signs, and lying wonders of the lost one is meant to overshadow the glory and the signs and the brightness and the second coming of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Satan has promoted this lie. He has prepared for this time. We're in that right now. That's what this thing in Orlando is about on that Saturday, to prepare you for this so that you can see it better, so that you're not fooled, so that you know what to do about it. And that's why it's vital that signs and wonders follow the word. They must line up with the word. Signs and wonders happen. I know I live them. I've been a part of them. But they must follow the word. And it is the balance of the Holy Spirit and the truth in the word that's vital. See, the Holy Spirit without the word is essentially mute. He only speaks through the word. He has nothing to say otherwise. He doesn't bring a new revelation. He reveals to you what's in the word. And the word without the spirit is lifeless. It has no power to act. That's why these churches have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. They don't want the gifts. They don't want the power. They don't want anybody to come in and ruin their control or the, or the, the scheme of the business they've got going. That's the lawless one, and the Holy Spirit in the church is restraining him. But I got news for you, folks. That's about to change. That is about to change. And I believe there is a rapture. I believe he takes the church out of the way. I believe he lets the world have what they wanted. They wanted the fallen. They're going to get them. Just like in the days before the flood, they chose the fallen angels and their offspring over God. Well, they're going to get them. We need to wake up. We need to change. We need to cry out right now, Lord, fill me with that love. Fill me with the greatest love of all, your love, so that I can go love them. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, with the fruit and the gifts. That should, If you don't have that, that should be your prayer every day. You should be crying out to the Lord, Lord, fill me. Fill me with the gifts and the fruit so that I can be what you've designed me to be. And before we can love anybody else, we have to love him. We have to love him. Perfect love cast out fear. You know, it's misquoted First John four seventeen. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love cast out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. You know what? That love is that's that, that fear is is the fear of torment. It's the fear of the final judgment. I don't have to worry about that because of his love. Perfect love cast out the fear of the judgment on the final day because I have been born again and I have been raised and I have been empowered to serve in the kingdom of God. It's love. Father, I just come to you now on behalf of your children. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you have illuminated this word, that you have taken it and buried it deep in the hearts of those that have listened, that you will explain to them and reveal to them what it is that applies to them and what they need to know. And I pray that they'll act upon it. But more than anything, I pray that they'll fall in love with the Father and fall in love with the Lord in a way that they've not felt before so that they can take that love as a fountain, as a drink, and into a dry, parched, and dying world under the fire and the hand of the fallen and bring people to refreshment, to reconciliation, and to hope. And I pray this right now with all my heart, in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.